This is exactly right. Ready to make some magic? <laughs> do you know magic? Yeah, I know up close magic. Ooh, I can't do distance magic though. Hmm. Sorry, I live. Welcome to my favorite murder. <laughs> I'm Karen Kilgariff. I'm Georgia Hardstark, and together we're Hard Karen Kilgariff and Georgia Hardstark. <laughs> yes, playing along. Yes, yes. How's it going? Hey, it's good. How are you? We're um, we're at a different speed this week. Somebody uh, wrote us on Twitter and said that la- on the last episode we seemed hysterical, <laughs> which I agree. I think we were slightly hysterical. We were just like we were just like ramped up one notch. Yeah, two I was, notches. It was like powering through it. Like I need to get through this, but it was fun. We had a great time. Two, That's all that matters. Yeah, we enjoyed ourselves. I mean, who wants a droll boring pod like murder comedy podcast i mean yeah i don't think i don't think most people if you've come here for a narrative true crime podcast then then just add adderall and that's what you fucking have <laughs> <laughs> it's like it's like that it's similar yeah uh we're actually on uh physician's grade cocaine now. <laughs> that's this that's the secret to this podcast God, i wonder what that's like it's pretty great if you had a chance, never mind. <laughs> <laughs> if I could do a drug again? No, but like, but like, if someone was like, this is this physician's grade, like, government, whatever the fuck drug, would you do it? Which drug? Like, Coke, let's say. Sure. Well, I can't, you mean like, if, if I didn't have any of my, the, I have all kinds of neurological disorders because I did all that. Don't do, you do really drugs, think kids. It's not worth it. It's totally only because of that. He wouldn't have uh, had it's them a theory. They can't, right. you know, having epilepsy or seizure disorder, they don't know why exactly unless they look at your brain. Like, dropped on your head. Close up. Was dro- I was dropped Shut on my head. Fuck up. I didn't tell you that? I think you probably did. I did. My mom tripped over my high chair when I was six months <laughs> oh my old. Gosh. I don't think I knew this. Yeah. And she broke her arm. We both <gasps> fell and I hit my head and had to get stitches. I still have a tiny, tiny scar. But I'm oh totally the serial killer, as we have discussed in this podcast, oh, I know. because I had that. I'm going to have to kill you before you kill me. Okay. That makes sense, right? I think that'd be a great way to go. <laughs> Just do it. Creep up behind me. Okay. As a favor. Oh, yeah. No, you got but it. But no stabbing. Slicing? <laughs> <laughs> Please Julian me to death. I know you love cooking. I love cooking. I'm going to Julian you. And a light saute. I'm going to put you in a Cuisinart. I'm going to serve you. <laughs> Yeah, uh, yeah. Don't do drugs, you guys. Don't do drugs. We we did them for you. We can come back and tell you. Yep. It's not what it's cut out to be. It's like how my dad used to say he would never get cable. We lived way out in the country, so we only right. got four channels, and he wouldn't get cable. He'd go, "Hey, we have that in the firehouse. It's no good." He'd be like, <laughs> right. "Let us try. We'll decide no. if we like it or not." Decided for you. Yep. It's protected you guys from so much, and yet, <laughs> and yet, it didn't here work. <laughs> oh, sorry. I hit the fucking. Um, um, oh wait. Uh, Go ahead. What was I gonna? Yeah, don't do drugs. <laughs> I know we're gonna get some email of some mommy. Like I listen with my twelve year old girl, and you're you're telling her to do 
drugs. Oh, guess what, Mom? <laughs> Don't listen with your 12-year-old. I won't even have it. <laughs> I listen with my 12-year-old. This is a comedy murder podcast. <laughs> it is highly inappropriate that anybody would be listening at to this. At that point... That's on you, mommy. Yes. Like, don't come at us. Mommy. And then, like, that night she goes to bed and then looks in the doorway and there's a glint of silver. Yeah. Who's that? Is one of you up? Yeah. She's I'm awake, mommy. High on angel dust. <laughs> Good, like, government quality angel dust. Because you, we, you wouldn't let us warn your children off of angel yeah, dust. Yeah. You stopped, you pressed stop at the point where we were talking about doing drugs and didn't listen to the rest of the podcast where we said, where we said don't do, do not drugs. Under any circumstances no. ever do drugs. No. I mean, we li- we did them and look at us now. We're oh, fucking derelict. I look like I'm about 62. Yeah. Unsuccessful. But, but knows. Uh, I just had a couple thank yous for from the Twitter page. Oh, I love it. Because people send us amazing, great stuff. The best. I, can I do some off Instagram then? Sure. Your Twitter and I'm Why Instagram. Are you saying it like that? Nope. Only me. <laughs> Only Twitter. Um, <laughs> you absolutely can. I love it. Uh, we just had Courtney sent us pictures of her. She didn't name the person in the picture with her. Um, but it was a picture of the two of them. They had carved pumpkins. Oh, I have it. You and do? I have the name of the other girl because they both posted it. And I was like, I'm going to give them both a shout out because what okay, a bummer. This is one an Instagram them. area and I've overstepped. No, but they tweeted it. Then you retweet it. Yes. That's but fine. there was no names. Okay. Well, anyway, I just have no time. They carved stay sexy, don't get murdered. And you're in a cult. Call your dad into pumpkins, which must have taken hours. Yeah. Yeah, I can't carve a fucking pumpkin like that. Every time I try to carve a pumpkin, it's disappointing. And you cut your hand and you get that Ugh. goop in it. And halfway through, you're like, what the? I don't give a shit. And I'm then not going to eat these pumpkin seeds. A triangle for an eye. Fine. He, get, he You know what? He, he's a cyclops. You, you know what? <laughs> one triangle eye and one tooth. Boom. Done. Can I have another glass of wine, please? <laughs> and I don't want to eat these fucking disgusting pumpkin. You know. Ooh, well, let's cook them up. No, I'm not in second grade. I'm this not falling for pumpkin seeds ever again. Tangent hour. <laughs> But Wait, you are need you the gonna, fiber. Do you know the names? I don't. Okay. But they're sweet baby angels. It was Courtney at Coffin Bugs is her Twitter handle. Okay, well, then the other girl is Wandering Lamb on Instagram. Sweet. It could be the same girl, right? It might very well. But either way, they're friends, and, I'm, and I think they're both tagged in the Instagram. Okay, good. If her name is on Twitter, Coffin Bugs, and then on Instagram, Wandering Lamb, that girl contains multitudes. Absolutely. God bless her soul. <laughs> um, but then David, who's... Twitter handle is Hello Dabwood, which mm-hmm. is kind of like Dagwood with but with a B as in boy. Made an animated oh gif of us you driving a car. <laughs> I'm driving. You've got Elvis on your lap. It's, there's a lightning storm in this car, and then when the lightning hits, <gasps> there's a murderer in the back seat. But it is so charming and well done, and like adorable, beautiful. You showed it to me when you got here because I didn't know because I don't because Twitter overwhelms me and like. It's the best thing I've ever fucking seen. Isn't it the best? And he sent it to us and it said, Karen and George are about to go missing as fuck. (laughs) And then I retweeted it and said, as if, which seemed uh, afterwards, I thought that might be too argumentative. But David, we love it so much. (gasps) I'll put it up on the My Favorite Murder. There's a Facebook page, not the group, but there's a page. I'll put it up there. Yeah, this is our new thing, right? The Facebook page where we basically control the content. You get to go look at it, interact, do all that stuff. But it's different than the... Group. Facebook group. Yeah. Yeah. Got Which it. is like interacting all kinds of shits going on. Yeah. There. Yeah. I this think Instagram for me, I think that if you want to see the cool shit that people make for the, for our show, which is a fucking ton of stuff, the Instagram 
dot com slash my favorite murder or just my favorite murder Instagram. I just I'm constantly posting stuff on that because of other people's stuff. Yeah, they make so much. Shill, but it's very cool. It's just uh, it's crazy and fun and fun and so ta- everyone's so talented and I love all those artists that are like I was listening to you and I started sketching this thing and then it turns into this beautiful yeah and yeah. then there, people are like I want this as a shirt and then they go make money I'm like go make fucking money Good. I know Good. it's so cool yeah. another murdery nose buy it I'm so happy for them um just one last one which was. Um, Allison, her Twitter handle is Turbo Alley, and she had been listening to an old episode and reminded everybody, please clean out your lint trap in your dryer. Yes. Please. And I, it makes me happy that she tweeted it, but I want to remind people as well. I worry about your homes burning down a yeah. lot because that's my, that's my personal neuroses. Well, your father was, um, a fireman, an equally neurotic fireman who would yell at us if there was even a hint of lint in the lint trap. So I'm there doing the same be. to you. That reminds me. Yes. That there is this thing on Alice, uh, Alyssa. Is that who this, she is? It might be the same girl. Alyssa on our Facebook group made something called, um, Karen, Georgia and Karen's rules for how to stay sexy and not get murdered or not be a murderer or murder suspect. <laughs> her name is Joanna Groom. I don't know. I think it's her, her website. Oh, okay. But there's a couple of, this is a running list that I will continue to add to as G and K continue to preach. One, number one, if you came here to learn, you're in the wrong place. That's right. Number two, guys, if you ever find something, say something or, or you look fucking suspicious. Your parents won't get mad if, at you for being on someone's land if you find a skull. <laughs> Number three, if you find a body, you should tell someone. That's true. Number four, guys, do not sell your government secrets. And it goes on and on for like, fucking, it's at like, oh my God, it's at like 129 at this point. Jesus Christ. I want to give out the the website, but I don't know what it is. Well, it's on the Facebook page, right? It's. I'll put it on the Facebook page. Yeah. Cool. So cool. My, it's my. That's it's hilarious. That's MFM cool. podcast is the Facebook page. Thank you, Joanna, for keeping that list. It's fucking great. I love it. <laughs> That's hilarious. What do you um, got? What corner do you have? I have, oh my God, I got recognized corner. Oh. Which is always fun. This is separate from San Francisco. Yeah. But the girl messaged me on Instagram that she, it was her. Oh, nice. And it was like her. She had just gotten engaged and she saw <gasps> us, me and she was so excited. Oh. I know. That's a good omen. Yeah. Nice. Seeing me or getting engaged. Um, her seeing you the, right when she got engaged. Yeah. That's exciting. That maybe she won't get murdered by her future husband. Well, you never know. You don't ever know. Um, oh, so I was walking out of a, a juice place in Los Feliz. Oh, and some girl just goes, my favorite murder! <laughs> Which I totally get because like you see someone, you're like, I just have to say the thing that I know you from immediately because I didn't stop and like say what, you know? Right. And I was like, yay! And, like <laughs> held the juices over my head in triumph. And I was like, thank you! Because it was the first time I got recognized, like in my neighborhood, you know. And yeah, she was, that's like, crazy. A cool hipster girl, like we all are around here. And I love that. Well, I have one. April and I were eating in the diner we always eat at. April Richardson, everyone's favorite, adorable from uh, Go Bayside um, podcast and stand up comedy. Mm-hmm. And um, you were eating at a diner. We eating in a diner as we do. And a girl walked by outside and then walked in, <gasps> pulled out her earbuds, and just said, "I just want to let you know." 
I love your podcast. I think she may have said I'm listening to it right now. Oh my God. That's always been a, like a dream of walking by someone whose podcast I'm listening to. Wouldn't that be the weirdest feeling yes. in the world? But I might be just saying that because that would be a really good Let's part of go a story. With it. But I feel like she did. Let's go with but it. But anyway, that was kind of exciting. And then she left and April goes, this is like a hard day's night. <laughs> I was like, it's really not. That's so she it's exactly like that. It's totally. Us yeah. getting chased through the street by one person who politely came into politely the diner came in quietly and then immediately yeah, left right. as we sat at a table yeah eating salad fun times thanks for your support and love you guys yeah. it really means a lot to us this is weird and fun <laughs> and we love it and oh my god i can't believe it, it was weird. Yay. that was freak out corner yeah there's so many corners there's like too many corners i don't think that it equals an actual room no no it's a mansion corners it's yeah. a mansion of corners <laughs> um should we do a fucking t-shirt corner sure hi hey i just george's t-shirt corner george's- now, now sad music is gonna start playing <laughs> <laughs> no it's just gonna be like uh like what's a good anxious song of like all the anxiety uh flight of the bumblebee yes <laughs> holy shit and we can get clearance on it too yeah because it's over 100 years old <laughs> should i do this in the background while you Yes, but would you mind? So the t-shirts, keep going. The t-shirts are now back on Shopify. Okay, you can get the, all right, that's enough. <laughs> yeah, was, that's too hard. It was good though. Yeah, I couldn't, I couldn't concentrate. All right, the t-shirts are on myfavoritemurdershirts.com now. Okay. They're also, you know, they're everywhere. They're, they're in, they're everywhere and nowhere. <laughs> but. For now, go back to my favorite murder shirts. There's a murderino shirt and hoodies and mugs and posters and there's all the fucking you're in a cult call your dad shirt. Cool I shit. Was, I was wrong to talk about the tote bag though, right? Because Steve's tote bag's tote back. It, oh, tote bag's back. So okay, what cool. I really like about the Shopify store that my favorite murder shirts.com is that they have black tote bags. Cool. And the place we were using before didn't have black ones and it just didn't look as cool. Oh, great. So now all of the like quotes and all the designs are on really cool black, like awesome book tote bags, which cool. I love. And that's, that's the Shopify website. My favorite murder shirts.com. Oh, it's its own. Did you want to talk about last week when I had to drop in the correct? <laughs> What if I did it again? Because it's now changed again. Do it, please. Tell this is my right. favorite. Mo- so I'm listening to my own podcast. Quality control, man. I mean, we could say that or we could call it ego non-control, no. whatever. Quality control. I, uh, I enjoy listening back because when we do it, oftentimes it's just too. a blur. And then I go, oh, we did say that's funny. Oh, or yeah. Like, or wow. do you ever do the thing where you picture someone like that you like listening to the podcast? Yes. Like, this is what I sound like. That's when I stop listening because then I'm like, oh, no. You know, what I keep doing is what the fuck is wrong with my laugh next week Georgia control your laugh it's like <laughs> goofy and fucking don't you dare the worst thing in the world you could do is change or control your laugh I learned that in stand-up comedy oh yeah because in comedy standing in the back you're always trying to get right. people to know you're laughing at their joke but if you try to have like say a feminine laugh or a cute <laughs> girl whatever just be just in that one arena let yourself be authentic and okay. don't worry about what people think because it's the most natural response that you can have yeah and you should let it come out even if it's a big snorting goose laugh i love snorting laugh rip. well can i in that in that fucking vein can i tell you can oh. i admit something to you is this gonna get sad yeah okay i'm a scream sneezer oh, and i didn't no. know it. i didn't fucking know it until this weekend and past episodes if you're fucking if you're new 
Hi. We have, hi. Welcome. We've talked about scream sneezers before. Yeah. And, and I have a real problem with them. I do too. But apparently it, it overcame you. No, I do it all the time and I never realized it. <laughs> and I asked Vince and he was, I'm like, am I a scream sneezer? Cause he knows we've talked about it. And he was like, uh, no, you're uh, like, and I was like, Vince, the, the best fuck? husband in the world. Such a sweet angel. So I wouldn't call it screaming. It's, it's the same thing when I asked, do I snore? Oh no, you, you're cute. You know, like, oh. wouldn't I? So yes, I fucking snore. <laughs> um, yeah, I, I scream sneeze. I mean, listen, as long as it's okay that I get mad. At, oh, I don't care. Because scream see- sneezing legitimately scares it's me. It's terrifying. My mom does it too. Yeah. Like I had a roommate that all of a sudden it would just be like, ah! like yeah, yeah, yeah. The, the weirdest thing in the world that you can't ever be prepared for. No. All right. Well, maybe I just maybe maybe we now know that scream sneezers don't know that they're scream sneezing. It's true. And also that they can't control it there. We did get a tweet from somebody who was like, some people can't control it. She was clearly very hurt. (laughs) I'm sorry if you were hurt. I'm a person of very strong opinions, but I also go back on those opinions. Oh, yeah. Oftentimes it's fun. to It's fun to have. It's fun to be very adamant about things that you really don't give a shit about. Honestly, I mean, that's like why we have a podcast. We're trying to make the time go by before we die. Entertainment people. This is what it's about. This is it. What um, else? Oh. Live shows. Still don't have Bell House tickets. Oh, the Bell House thing is going to get solved soon. There's people that are going... Out of their minds. Crazy. Stop emailing the Bell House. The Bell House can't do anything. Yeah. They're making a deal. Uh, so we have to wait until the deal is made. It's very businessy. It's not un- under our control. It's not like we're choosing to make you wait. No. So we appreciate your patience. We also understand your lack of patience. <laughs> we know the feeling. It's a small venue, so we're not trying to mess with you. Yeah, and like the small venue thing is that we like booked these things before we knew that like people listen to the podcast. We booked this at the beginning of the summer when we thought we were a, the little podcast that could. Yeah, we were like 300 seats. How are we going to fill that? And yes. now we just fucking sold out the Chicago Podcast Festival. Yeah, so we, we don't know what we're doing. And, and this are g- the remnants of that. And there's going to be a bigger, if you can't get to the Bell House Brooklyn show on December 11th. We will be we're back. We're going to be back with a bigger. Very soon. Yeah, and we will high, maybe high five you. Yes, exactly. And and we will. We, <laughs> what do we do, Karen? I don't know. A bunch it. of other stuff. Scream, sneeze right in your Chris face. Sneeze at you. Whatever you need. Um, I think that's it. You want that to be it? That can no, be no, it. no, no, no. No, I'm kidding. Did you have something? No, I have nothing. Do um, I? No, I have nothing. I don't think I have anything either. Thanks. Oh, you know what I was going to say, which uh, we don't do this that often when it's like an off topic thing, but I just want to say our friends, Pat Walsh and Joe DeRosa mm. have a podcast called We'll See You in Hell that I listen to all the time and never plug or give a shout out oh to. God, and I don't know to. why. It's really funny if you like two dudes that fight about like movies. Those are the two most uh, there. If you like people who will argue anything, even you know, like either side, those dudes, I can't believe they're friends. I know. It's great. It's you watch their friendship kind of deteriorate and build back up every episode. And th- but they're both softies so that they like then feel bad. They're, they're fucking hilarious, both of them. And it's fun because if you can either watch the movie along with them yeah. in the beginning, they used to watch the movie and discuss it as it went. And then you could watch it along with them. Yeah. It's always like a, like a B horror movie, right? Uh, yeah. Well, I think they, they kind of opened it up. So it's kind of like whatever movies they want now. Mm-hmm. But, but, um, now they just kind of discuss them. But, Anyway, it's totally worth your time if you are into uh, horror movies, regular movies, or just taking our recommendations. And they're both fucking hilarious. Hilarious. People. Comedy writers. People. Good friends. We like them. Yeah. Comedians. Good stuff. 
No, they've never murdered anyone as far as we know. I just had that realization. I was listening to their podcast over the weekend. Yeah. And I was like, I, I genuinely like this. I should at least say that. That's really nice of you. I think that we should recommend a friend's podcast every episode. Yeah, it might be good. Or yeah. just things that we actually are watching, like Pole Dark. Like what? Remember? So I said to Georgia, a lot of people have asked us, are we going to talk about Amanda Knox? That Whoa. Amanda Knox special, which you, you wrote about. Right for Elle magazine, yeah, yeah, online. So if you haven't read Georgia's column about it for Elle magazine, look that up because Georgia does her whole summation. Thank you. Um, I didn't watch it because Georgia told me she didn't like it, <laughs> and so I was like, "Well, if she didn't like it, I'm not gonna like yeah, it." Yeah, so I don't, I don't think you you needed to. And I don't. I'm not interested in that case because yeah. it's a one off. Did she? Didn't she? Pretty girl. There's yeah. all kinds of elements. That I don't enjoy. Well, you know what the biggest element is, is that the victim really has nothing to do with the whole story. And yeah, I don't they're like that. completely forgotten. Yeah, I that don't think. Like her foot, her crime scene photo with her foot sticking out of the blanket got more airtime than her face did. Ugh. And I, it's just like, I just don't like those stories. Right. You know? Yeah. And it probably feels unsatisfying. Yeah. And I mean, even though it sucks, the JonBenet Ramsey story, at least it's called the JonBenet Ramsey. It's not called the Patsy and John Ramsey story. It's like right. about her. Yes. But this is about, it's called Amanda Knox. Yeah. You know? So, yeah. I don't like that. Yeah. And so, Georgia wrote back, I texted and said, do you want me to watch it so we can have a discussion about it? And Georgia basically said, I didn't like it. So, yeah, and then I went, well, if you didn't like it, I'm not going to like it. And immediately tried to get out of my homework. And then and I then said... Go ahead. No, no, go ahead. I said, just watch a British procedural. <laughs> and so I immediately <laughs> downloaded seasons Permission. one and two of Poldark. If you P-O-L-E- like. P-O-L-E. P-O-L-D-A-R-K. Poldark. That's his last name. Oh. Ross Poldark. Oh. If you like bodice rippers combined with um, a mining, the politics of living in a mining town. Oh, that's what my, that's my favorite topic. I mean, who wouldn't right there on the coast of England? Yeah. Get. That's in, what I majored in. Get in there. I didn't go to college. Someone's going to write and be like, they're in Wales or whatever. <laughs> I don't fucking know. It was one big green mountain and I loved it. I watched every episode. Ooh, I like that. I'm never going to watch it. <laughs> Perfect. <laughs> Congratulations. If you're like me, you're always looking for a story to dive into. Whether it's a family drama or a mystery to solve, the key to getting hooked is the details. I need rich visuals and intricate storylines, and June's Journey has that and more. June's Journey is a mobile mystery game that follows June Parker, a daring young woman, on a quest to uncover the truth about her sister's murder. This is your chance to test your detective skills because you'll play the game as June herself. Explore beautifully designed scenes from the 1920s, like lavish estates and gardens, and don't forget to keep an eye out for hidden clues. There are twists, turns, and catchy tunes, all leading you deeper into the thrilling storyline. And if you play well enough, you could make it to the detective club. There, you'll chat with other players and compete with or against them. June needs your help, but watch out, you never know which character might be a villain. Shocking family secrets will be revealed, but will you crack the case? Find out as you escape this world and dive into June's world of mystery, murder, and romance. It's all just one tap away. Discover your inner detective when you download June's Journey for free today on iOS and Android. That's June's Journey. Download the game for free on iOS and Android. Goodbye. There's something about the sound of an old-timey cash register that really takes me back. I know. It sounds like someone is about to hand me an ice cream cone, but it also sounds like we just sold some merch. That's right. And if you're a Shopify user like us, you know that this sound... 
means you just made a sale. Shopify has helped millions of businesses sell their products online, but did you know they also offer the same support for brick and mortar stores? From accepting payments to managing inventory, they have everything you need to sell in person. So give your point of sale system a serious upgrade with Shopify. Shopify POS tracks sales across all your locations. That way you'll always know what you have in stock and where. They also provide reliable tech that fits your unique retail needs, like turning a tablet into a credit card reader. And if you're looking to reach new customers, check out Shopify's marketing tools. They're easy to use and they integrate with all social media platforms. With Shopify, we have a powerful partner for managing our sales. And if you're a business owner, you can too. Do retail right with Shopify. Sign up for a $1 per month trial period today at shopify.com slash murder. And here's the important note, that promo code is all lowercase. So go to shopify.com slash murder and take your retail business to the next level. That's shopify.com slash murder. Again, don't forget the code is all lowercase. Goodbye. Um, should we murder time? Let's murder it up. I'm excited about mine. Mine is usually three or four pages. Yeah. This one's six. I'm not going to go. I'm not going to take up all the time. But there's just so much information. Do you want to jump right in? Yeah. Can I go first? Do it. I think I'm first this time. Yeah. yeah. All right. And it's very important whether or not yes. we know who's first. Otherwise, we just get so much hate mail. Yeah. That's not true either. All right. <clears throat> Karen. Yeah. I mentioned it last week. Are you ready for the Texas eyeball killer? Oh, they, that's right. Uh, yes, I am. Are you? Are you More sure? Than, yeah, I really am. Okay. I've got my protective eyewear on. Yeah. Mm-hmm. If people have, I was thinking about how a lot of people have eyeball, like... Issues? Issues. Yeah, they're gross. The eyeballs are gross and attacking eyeballs are gross. Attacking eyeballs is fucked. Yeah. Like, what is wrong with you? Yeah, don't worry. I don't get too into, like, the gory eyeball details, but there's a couple things. And he's called the fucking Texas eyeball killer. So he did some some stuff that we need to really look into. Yes. Okay. Are you ready for it? I think I am. Here we go. <laughs> Um, so on December 13th, 1990, in Oak, in the Oak Cliff neighborhood of Dallas, Texas, the body of Mary Lou Pratt was found. She was a 33-year-old well-known prostitute in the area. I don't know what well-known means. It's like that everyone hangs out. friends with her. Yeah. A sex worker, I think we're supposed to say. Yeah. Sex worker. She was last seen in mid-December on a Dallas street corner trying to pick up clients, and her body was found at... 4.20 in the morning on a Dallas street, just on a street, uh, laying face up, feeling a bra and t-shirt on. I saw the crime scene photo. Um, bad her news. shirt was p- pulled up. I mean, yeah. Uh, it's very bad news. Um, she had sh- been shot in the back of the head with a forty-four caliber gun. So the medical examiner said that the killer had removed both of her eyes oof. and taken them with him. Oh. Fuck, I wish yeah. he hadn't have done that. Yeah, man. Um, let's see here. And it was, they were removed post-mortem with such precision that there was no damage to the upper or lower lid. And what? then it goes on to explain like the, the, the intricacies of removing an eyeball and all the like things, which I won't get into, okay. but it's like complicated. It's not like pluck. You don't pluck. No, no. Uh, my mom used to work in the ophthalmology department right. at Kaiser. Oh God, no! So I this I, not to in any way say that because of that I know anything about removing. <laughs> so you do it all the time, then. <laughs> but 
I think I've seen that poster of the the like medical poster right. of the eye more than I would have liked to. Right. Like what connects this to that? Yeah. Well, he did that all without like fucking the person did that all without fucking any of that up. That's okay. So clearly he has an understanding of medical. This is it's very Jack the Rippery. Yes. Okay. But in 1990. Yeah. Um she also had blunt force injuries and, but the cause of death was a gunshot wound. So then in February, on February 10th, 1991, so just a couple months later, in South Dallas, outside the semi- city limits, Susan Peterson, who was also a sex worker, was found dead. The reason I said prostitute is they, they worked, they worked on the street. It was like not a great neighborhood, um, just in general for money. No one had money. So they worked on the street. So they weren't, you know, sex workers and that they were call girls. I I think that's the whole point. I know, but I just want everyone to understand the, like, the, what they were doing, which was different than. There was nothing high class about it, you're saying. No. They, they, you know, they were, yeah, sucks. So she was found dead, shot three times and twice in the head and once in her boob, Mm -hmm. breast, I think I'm supposed to say. And she also had her eyes removed, man. And what's weird is that he, the person closed the lids after he did it too. So they, they wasn't, they weren't found to have their eyes missing until they got their autopsies. It's all intentional and it's all tricky and creepy. Like what would you, what do you think your motive would be to take eyes? It's like seriously. Yeah, because it's not gouging out, like, don't look no, at me. stabby it's, stab. Yeah, it's removal. Like I'll, as if it's evidence. And like taking them. Yeah. Okay, so two months later, after Susan Peterson was found, the body of a 27-year-old woman was found in the same area. Oh, wait, no, this is Susan Peterson, sorry. She was found in at 7.45 a.m., and she worked in the same neighborhood as the, as the first woman, and she was last seen walking the streets looking for clients, uh, found laying face up with only a shirt on, pulled up over her breast. The so same MO. Same exact way yeah. to find the, the woman. Yes. So then a month after the second victim was found on March 18th, 1991, Shirley Williams, who was a 42 year old woman working as a part time sex worker in Dallas was found dead. And she was completely nude. She had facial bruises and a broken nose and had been shot in the face through the top of the head. Stephen, are you going to vomit? You're kind of like, you're kind of, um, you're moving in a way that's... Eyeballs freak me out too. Do they? Do you want to go sit in the other room? No, no, I'll be okay. Okay. Let me know if you need some air. (laughs) You look, I kind of saw you weaving in the background. Like, oh no. Um... She had superficial injuries around the eyes and face, and part of an exacto knife blade was found in one of the wounds. Mm. But oh, sorry, eye wounds? No, 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 no. Okay, no. okay, like, okay. Fucking God. Oh, but so she was stabbed hard enough that it broke off? Well, it broke off. The no, I, yeah, I think he stabbed her and it broke off. Yeah, that's not good. Both eyes had been removed. Um. So then a pair of patrol officers cut to this... After the first three women had been found, two cops remembered an incident from a few months prior. There was a woman named Veronica Rodriguez, also a sex worker, and she claimed she had been attacked. And she claimed she had been taken into the woods and raped, then ran to a friend's house, and he rescued her. So the the rescuer was a guy who was a truck driver named um, Axton Schindler, and um 
He said he was only giving her a ride, didn't know anything about the attack or the injuries. Super shady and weird. But the police questioned him, and his address was 1035 El Dorado Street. So they wondered if the attacker was the eyeball killer, and they decided to re-question Schindler to find out if he had seen something he was a weirdo himself. He mm-hmm. like collected trash and stuff. So they discovered that 1035 El Dorado wasn't actually his address. He'd put a fake address on the license out of paranoia, but the property belonged to someone named Fred Albright, but he was dead. So a couple months go by, they're trying to figure out who this fucking killer is. And then a deputy overhears them talking about this whole situation of Schindler and Albright. And he remembers a phone call weeks before with a woman who said that she was friends with one of the victims of the eyeball killer. So she had been friends with Mary Lou Pratt, the first um, victim. And she said that um, the victim had once dated a man named Charles Albright. And the reason that stuck out to her was that he had a weird obsession with eyes and kept exacto knife blades in his attic. In his what? Attic? Attic. I always say addict. But you mean the room above your house? Attic. Yeah, yeah, yeah. I don't know why I do that. Okay. So it turns- I just want to make sure. <laughs> no, you're addict. That's what I fucking kept it in his attic. His friend who was an addict. <laughs> did you hold these for me? Hey, man. <laughs> he did. Hey, man. I got some real good government coke. Um, so Charles, this fucking addict dude, was the son of the guy who owned that home. Okay. So Fred Albright's son. And he had inherited that location. Um, so let's talk about Charles Albright. He was born in Amarillo, Texas, and he was adopted from an orphanage by Dell and Fred Albright. His mother was kind of loco. Loco? Can we cut that out? Who the fuck am I? <laughs> kind of crazy. Loco. Never said that before. We were just trying to change it up a little. I don't know. <laughs> um, his adoptive mom was a school teacher and she was super strict and overprotected. She overprotective. She like made him study a lot and he ended up skipping two grades because he was so fucking smart. Mm. And she pampered him like crazy. She kept goats in the backyard so he could drink goat's milk, which she said was better for him than cow's milk. Um, she occasionally put him in little girl's dresses and gave him a doll to hold. Uh-oh. She would change his clothes a couple times a day to keep dirt off of him. So loco. She was loco. She was straight up loco. Yeah. And he, she was afraid that he much, might touch dog feces and get polio. So she took him to the hospital to see the polio patients locked in huge iron lungs. What? That doesn't keep you from touching. No. Oh. And dog feces isn't where you fucking get polio, bro. It's the air. <laughs> Like, it's just the air, you know? That's so awful. I know. Can you Im- but this is the thing my brain always flashes to. Can you imagine a parent today yeah. taking their child to witness something? Yeah, exactly. Don't touch the stove. Look at all these people who have been have third degree burns. However, I think my aunt, one time my cousin, he was little, lit the fucking kitchen on fire. Because mm-hmm. he was doing that thing with matches where you flick them after you light them. Yes. Lit the whole kitchen on fire. This is in the 70s, so he was not being watched. Of and it course. was his fault for playing with matches, not their fault for not... Leaving them around. For leaving them around. smoking 24 hours a day. Right. And I think that they took him to the burn ward to be like, this is what fucking happens when you play with matches. And how was he after that? He's fine now. He's kind of a, he was kind of mean to me when, he, when we were little. <laughs> the kind of sadistic, the mean. Uh, before or after the burn ward visit? After. 
Oof, yeah, so he's still working some stuff out. Yeah, but he's like, fine now. I mean, I think you need to trust your children better that you don't have to traumatize them to get the lesson through their through their head. I think you should teach them not to fucking play with fire to begin with. I mean, I just remember when I lit the bed on fire, right. my mom's screams were enough to keep me from ever doing it again. Yeah, that's the secret. Because she looked at me like, what the hell is wrong with you? Yeah. And then I was like, I I don't know. Yeah, you have, no, you have an excuse for being... Like, I hate when you do something, you're like, this is something a stupid person would do. Yeah. I have no... Like, am I a stupid person? My thing was like, can you please just pay attention to me? <laughs> like, I just... I'm really fun. Yeah. I think of great stuff. Get off the phone. Get off the motherfucking phone. Hang up that long corded... What was it? Fucking Marigold? Or was it... Yes, it was Marigold! Shut up. I swear to God. Because that's... The, the entire 70s was Marigold. It really was. It really was. I see her fucking sitting on the phone. there, twisting the big long cord around her very manicured fingernail, what are they and even telling talking me five about? minutes. Nothing. Because she was probably talking to her friend Pat Ronkin in Florida, and they were just talking about the good old days. Ronkin, Ronkin. Oh damn it! With an N, addict. But she was rocking. She was the best. Oh my gosh. Yeah. Okay, sorry. Anyway, <laughs> no, this was the best. <laughs> All right, see you later. <laughs> are you leaving? Okay. Um, so she would take him to the polio to look at the polio patients, and those oh. poor polio patients were like, "Fuck you! Don't use me as an example. The I didn't I- touch dog shit." The idea, yeah, really, I never touch. Don't yeah. put that on me. The idea of being in an iron lung where just your head is sticking Dude. out is such a goddamn nightmare for months. Horrible. Oh, those poor babies. Yeah. Um, and then she said to him, you can spend the rest of your life here. She would tell him. But she was, it's from what I read, she was very protective and loving of him in a way because she wanted him to know that she was never going to abandon him and that she loved him. Like, it doesn't yeah, seem she was like doing she it was. Wrong. <laughs> I know. I don't think she was abusive, but she like was. Her intentions were good. Yeah, yeah. She was overbearing and didn't really understand how to parent. Yeah, she was letting her neuroses take priority over his well-being. And it sounds like she had a lot of neuroses aside from what she did to her kid. Um, but he, she doesn't sound like a bad person. She just wasn't. She was scared. I think she had a little bit of a mental illness. Yeah. Um. Oh, well, however, the next line says, when he was less than a year old, she put him in a dark room as punishment for nope. chewing on her tape measure. Man, Elvis chews on my tape measure all the time. Uh, No, no dark rooms for babies, Absolutely. everybody. I think we've agreed that in 2017. You know what's scary when you're a kid? The dark room. You know what's scary when you're an adult? A dark room. <sighs> Don't do it. And then when also, she... You know what's scary? I just said it was 2017. <laughs> <laughs> you know what's scarier is I didn't even fucking notice. <laughs> Is it? it? No, not yet. Let's let's hold this episode till 2017 so we sound normal. <laughs> this one goes in the vault like Disney style. <laughs> I keep I keep reading more awful stuff that makes me take back everything I just said. When he wouldn't take a nap, she would tie him to the bed. She was abusive. When he wouldn't drink his milk, she would spank him. She would make him drink goat's milk. Yeah, <laughs> <laughs> have you? I've never had goat's milk. Uh, no, I haven't. Um, and I'd like to take an aside right now mm-hmm. and say that everyone listening, spanking is abuse. Don't fucking spank your kids. Oh, man. Karen? Uh, that's why I don't have kids. And I don't, then the problem never even comes up. Wait, should I? Shouldn't I? Nope. No. I should go to the movies by myself. That's what I should do. <laughs> you know, what's great is being an aunt and getting to go away after. That's right. And then they have to take care of you when you're old. That's what I figured out recently. <laughs> It's pretty right. Um, oh, and then she lectured him about the way his father, her, the father acted 
greedy with sex. Whenever, oh, no, as a child, he, she told him that whenever her, the dad saw her in the bedroom in her bra and underwear, he tried to grab her. She was going to have none of that. And she was going to make sure that Charlie never tried anything like that with his friends, his girlfriends either. Oh. And he, as she, he ruled her. She chauffeured them every time they went on a date. She would call the girl's parents, let them know that her son would not do anything untoward. Lady. But that was the fifties too. So I don't know, like. So she was on pills. She, she was on vacuum be. pills. I right? thought she had an amazing, cut an amazing figure. Like, cause yeah. she just didn't eat. She wore four girdles. Yeah. And she was uh, super high on speed. She ate a triangle of toast every morning with. And a tomato. It's a cottage cheese. Tomato and cottage cheese. Lady. Tomato and cottage cheese. I mean, okay. Says so much about life. Yeah. So for some reason, he got his first gun as a teenager and he'd <laughs> kill small animals with it. Sure. But his mom would help him stuff them due to his interest in becoming a taxidermist. This guy had no chance. No, he got super into fucking taxidermy. Um, but his mom was super cheap and weird and like wouldn't spend any money on anything. So instead of spending the money on the glass eyes that one would buy for oh. taxidermied birds and squirrels and shit, uh-huh. she was like, we don't need to do that. So instead they would get two dark buttons. <laughs> and so people would come over and look at their taxidermy and it'd be this, cre- it's like that, sh- that movie, um, Coraline. Coraline. <laughs> So, I wonder who the eyeball killer is right now. Are we going to go ahead and make a guess? I mean, this is like all arrows pointing to... What's his name? Dan? <laughs> his name Dan? No, it's Charles Albright. Charles. Danny. Chuck. Chuck Danny Albright, we'll call him. Chuck Danny, you never had a goddamn chance. Poor baby. But it seemed like he... So, all of these, like, Wikipedia articles and these other things just make him seem like a crazy, you know, like a gross drifter, like killer but this other article i read it was just like he was a he was very very fucking intelligent um but at age 13 he was a he's a petty theft whatever aggravated assault he um graduated from high school at age 15 because he was so fucking smart and then he went to the north texas university he wanted to train as a medical doctor and a surgeon um, he wanted to train as a surgeon. Yeah. Yeah. And at 16, the police caught him with some stolen petty cash. He spent a year in jail at 16. And then um, he went back to school, majored in pre-med studies, but was found with stolen items again and was expelled, but not prosecuted. So he had a, he had a uh, he, compulsion control problem. What's that yeah. called? Yeah. Um, Compulsion control. <laughs> I made it up. That's what it's called from now on. I think so. Impulse control. Impulse control. Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. Dig it. Um, so he got kicked out of school. So he did what everyone else would do, which is that he gave himself a fictitious bachelor's and master's degree. <laughs> he forged himself. Problem solved. Solved. I mean, he knows everything anyway. Right? That's, I mean, it sounds like it. Yeah. He's like, so it turns out I'm an eye doctor. Yep, here you go. Here's my forged shit. But he had like done it by breaking into like the fucking head of the college's office and like <laughs> using the right typewriter and everything. So it all looked. Oh, that's um, good. Like he was very conniving. So he got a master's smart. in forgery. I mean, if you, if at that point you can do that, you deserve it. Yeah, you deserve something, you know? Yeah. Fuck you. So, I don't know. <laughs> Society, man. Yeah, man. College. I think I have a thing against college because I never went and I hate college. Yeah. Okay. Me too. Um, 
but somehow he married his college girlfriend. I don't know, man. Some women just fucking. Well, come on. Danger. Chuck Danger. Yeah. You gotta get near that shit. She's bored of all these dumb college students at Arkansas State Teachers College. She's like, yawn o'clock. Yes. He's dangerous. Dangerous. He's not grabby. Yeah. He's not afraid of the dark anymore. He doesn't grab her when she's in her underwear and bra. He loves buttons. <laughs> no. Great. He's got a master's and no. he's got a master's and a bachelor's. Turns out. Um, they got married they had a kid and he started teaching high school science. There's a photo of him and like a school photo. Okay. So this guy, he seems like this criminal. He's this normal fucking smart guy with friends that goes to church. That is like everyone likes. No one can believe it. One of those guys. Yeah. He's not like a gross, like his fucking mugshot's creepy, but his, he wasn't like, he had that. a life. Yeah. Yeah. Um, yeah. He says he had a Pied Piper like ability to captivate people. And he, so, um, in 1965, he and his wife separated, and he, because he got caught stealing again, and he served less than six months. He loved to steal. He loved. He had a compulsion to steal. Maybe just to see if he can get away with it. And also, like we, Steve and I were talking before the show started right. about stealing. It, there's something to it too, where you just like when you have that thing of like, I need this. Yeah. Like you rationalize needing something. I used to steal a lot, and it was like. It was like, it was like a fuck you. I never yeah. stole from like people or. Did you steal from like CVS? Yeah. 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 That's like the teen girls. Yeah. Right of passage. And I was poor and didn't have money and like didn't have enough for things that like everyone else got to have. And I felt like you justified. Yeah. Yeah. I felt That's justified right. in like, fuck <laughs> you, everyone. I want this too. You know? I will have three wet and wild lipsticks. Yes. Yeah. Fucking that crazy pink that I then wore to raves. Yes. That that lip liner that's so long it'll last you like seven years. Yes. And doesn't fit in any purse, the like maroon one. And the the, the irony there is that wet and wild makeup is so cheap. Oh, they, and yet that's the one that everyone steals. I know. So funny. But then you're like, well, you paid three cents to make this with fucking slave labor. Yeah. So, so give me mine. Give me mine. Uh, don't we steal. Used to, don't do drugs. Don't steal. Don't do drugs. We used to um, do pink. There would be a pink <laughs> lipstick, but then you took frosty white eyeshadow. Oh my god! And put it on your lips while it was while the gloss was still wet. Ew. And so you had the frostiest pink lipstick of all time. Frosty pink lipstick was fucking in. 84, baby. Yes. All right. Anyway. Love it. Sidebar. Sidebar nation. nation. Um, da 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 Okay. <laughs> but so... <laughs> he... So everyone loved him. He... Everyone... All the neighbors trusted him. Here's a funny thing. He was asked by local residents to babysit their children. Mm. I'm sorry <laughs> well he was but his whole act was working aside I know. from being a big stealer i'm sorry is who the fuck lets grown men babysit their oh, children oh yeah no that's my problem with and that. also this was not long ago this wasn't like albert fish time you're we like yeah let the old yeah man babysit well this them. is like recent 81 where like all of that hadn't they didn't believe the children still when you're like right. my uncle fucking touched me they're like yeah. shut the fuck up how dare you yeah uh, it was all burbling to the surface yeah i That's think right. i think towards the end of the 80s is when they were like oh shit don't leave your kid alone with a grown man yeah Got don't it. don't don't accept help from a grown man who wants to help you with your kids yeah he Weird. doesn't he's not being a nice guy he's and also grown men if you're not a molester don't try to fucking babysit kids yeah find another outlet yeah ride horses you don't or need something. to i don't know they'll go to find therapy. someone else go to therapy don't you have a fantasy something team <laughs> yeah. that you need to maintain watch the dogs fine 
Even the cats. Don't offer to watch the children. Just get a bunch of dogs. Yeah. <laughs> We've solved it. Done. Done. Look at us. Uh, legislation with Corner, with Damn Karen it. and Georgia. So easy. Let's see. Uh, oh, but then guess what? In 1981, while visiting some friends, he sexually molested their nine-year-old daughter. Oh, no. And this is when his whole facade started to crumble. Oh. He was prosecuted and pled guilty, but he, and received, I'm sorry, what did he receive for this? Fucking what? Probation. But he said that he said, he said he pled guilty because he didn't want it to become a big thing. He wanted to kind of keep it a secret so no one knew about it because he, but he quote didn't do it, but he still pled guilty to it. Whatever. Okay. At this point, he falls in love with a woman named Dixie and then he starts, he takes a paper route in the early morning and it turns out it's so he could visit prostitutes without raising his wife's suspicions, his new wife. Yeah, adult paper routes yeah. are suspicious as fuck. Yeah, get a fucking telemarketing job, bro. <laughs> um, so, so we're back to this woman being like, yeah, my friend who died, Mary Lou Pratt, date, was friends with Charles, and he was into fucking eyeballs, okay. not fucking, but it was an eyeballs and stuff. Yeah. Um, and it, there's proof that he was friends with her way before she came across a uh, fucking sex worker. Mm-hmm. In the early 80s, Mary lived in South Dallas neighborhood while Albright's parents had invested in cheap rental property. Um, and he was living in one of the rental homes and he had a brief fling with one of Mary's friends and had brought them over to the house for parties. So they knew each other already. And then when she started to become a sex worker, he became one of her customers. And she said that old man Albright was a good trick, willing to pay a little more than the going rate. But he's claiming from jail now. Oh, I just spoiled the whole thing. He's claiming that he didn't even visit prostitutes. I mean, why would he admit that? Yeah. So I think she was his first kind of foray into, into sex work. Yeah. Um, says he would pick them up, talk to them, take them to get a hamburger and drop them back off. That sounds like a perfect date. Yeah. Well, sorry. What's what's he paying for there <laughs> besides hamburgers? I don't know. But I think eventually he started to do it. Okay. With them. So, beep, boop, bop. Let's see. Da-da-da-da. Okay. On March 22nd, 91, he's arrested and charged with three counts of murder. <coughs> oh, bless you. That's how you do it. That was... <laughs> Okay, I get it, I get it. No, I fucking get it. How is it the first time either of us have sneezed on this podcast? I know, it really is. In 38 episodes. <laughs> Especially wow. a, a fucking closed room full of cats. I know. And I don't, and I'm going to be honest, I don't fucking vacuum that couch much. <laughs> so. All right, sorry, go ahead. No, that was an amazing sneeze. <laughs> um, let's see. So, but eventually he was known by several street sex workers. I know. Um... He was violent towards them. So that was a growing thing. Like when it started yeah. out, he was all hamburgers and cute. Yeah. And then it basically, he got comfortable. Yeah. And started to be able to do whatever he wanted to do. They said that one said that he beat her with an extension cord or a belt to achieve orgasm. Mm. Um, another told a reporter that he would, another told her that he would kill her if she tried to take advantage of him. And he, and also he was known to have an, abnormal obsession with eyes and he would remove eyes from dolls and photographs. Fucking fuck, man. Yeah. Like, 
Get another MO because if you have this thing in your daily life, it's like if you're the bicycle killer and you're obsessed with bicycles, like become the skateboard killer instead, <laughs> you know, change it up so change. that the cops won't find you immediately. Yeah. 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 It's like, come on. He can't. It's his obsession. <laughs> um, it's all like right. Steven with the Britney Spears movie. He just can't stop thinking about it every moment of every day. Yeah. He's like, oops, I did it again. <laughs> Thought about it. <laughs> That wasn't that funny, was it? it? Was, well, it was you. to me. I appreciate that, Karen. <laughs> That's why we're partners. I don't fake laugh at you. I know you don't, and I love it. And when you laugh at me, it's always, I'm always, it's like, it's like you're scream sneezing because I'm like, what? I'm always surprised. You're shocked. Ple- pleasantly shocked. <laughs> um, doot, doot, dot. Okay, so, all right. So here's, okay. So the reason I found this whole murder is because on crack.com, yes. my f- favorite late night fucking read, the best website, crack.com. Dude, there was one uh one list called five suspicious details of famous crimes no one can explain Love i'm sorry it. i would read that for hours yeah make that list 500 please and i am there there so the the weird thing about this case is that this fucking this dude from the beginning if you'll remember <laughs> um what i can't remember axton axton the Schind- truck driver schindler the truck schindler. driver they were like well, what's his connection? He, his driver's license had the address of the killer's father. How does that make any sense? This guy must have been part of it or known. No fucking connection at all. What? He just happened to live in a rental property that was owned by the killer. So there's no connection. He just, ha- the, the guy who picked up the, the truck driver who picked up this woman who had been beaten up and gave her a ride home. I don't believe it. I know, but it's true. Pretty sure. Like, he just is clean on the deal, even though he knows the <laughs> parent of the killer and says, or the attempted killer. He, he happened to live in a rental property that was owned by the Albrights, and he happened to use another of their addresses as his fake address, and he just happened to be in, at the there at the time to pick up one of his would-be victims. I'm sorry, three happen-to-bees in one man's life <laughs> adds up to a whole bunch of you're full of shit. Write that shit down, man. Come that was on. amazing. It's just coming out of my mouth. Um, <laughs> so the cops interrogated him for hours, thinking there had to be a connection. Not a single witness had ever seen him before, and there was no physical evidence that he had even ever been at the crime scenes or knew about Albright's murderous hobby at all. In general, he this seemed is to Schindler you're talking about. Yeah. Okay. He seemed to have no idea what was going on. He helped a woman in need, and that's all he fucking knew wow. about. Wow. That's crazy. Yeah, but now, okay, so wait, let me, let me. Also, aren't you a little suspicious of like, of cross country truck drivers because of so many terrible forensic files yes. where it's like they have murder barns all across the Midwest? Well, you're going into a small, like if you're, you know, a sex worker, you're going to a small enclosed place that they know where things, I mean, no, yeah. I know. But he's, he's innocent. Yeah, well, yes, okay. All right. Well, let's go back to the trial after all, after Charles Albright gets arrested. December 13th, 1991. Like, doesn't this seem like an old timey crime, like from the 70s? Uh, Completely. Aren't you picturing, like. You said 1990. I was genuinely shocked. I know. Aren't you thinking of, like, old fucking Cadillac Seville's and shit? Like, yeah, it's totally. 91, which I guess is a long time ago for certain, for 12 year olds (laughs) whose moms let them listen to this fucking podcast. (laughs) Hi. Hi. So the evidence was that eight hairs that matched Shirley Williams, one of the victims, was found in Albright's vacuum cleaner. 
Okay, that's, that's not good. That's just a, that's kind of cool, right? Like, but who had the job of going through the vacuum? Like, did that really happen? Or they just like, push some fucking... <laughs> I mean, you, we cannot know, but that's a, for, that's like a forensic job. That's what you're signing up for. Yeah, dude. There's people who are listening who might know the answer to that. That's true. Maybe they've done it before. Yeah, that's right. Email like, us. They got a pair of tweezers, yeah. some old Revlons from yeah. CVS that they shoplifted <laughs> and they're just going through that dust bag. <laughs> oh, and they're like, kill by molecule. It's only because their boss doesn't like them, <laughs> but they had got that job. That's the shit job. They mouthed off at lunch. Yeah, mm-hmm. man, that's the shit job. They drank too much at the fucking company picnic. Yep. And called somebody a fat bastard. <laughs> oh, really? Well, you'll be picking through the vacuum cleaner bag this week. Dunhill. Damn it. <laughs> Shit, I did it again. I always... Okay. Um, we could just... That could be... A, <laughs> forever. Whole forever. All right. And then three pubic hairs from a blanket at Shirley Williams' murder scene were matched to Albright. They also found hair, found hair on a yellow raincoat that matched his hair that was near the, one of the bodies. Can I, should I mention at this moment that about hair, hair yes. follicle well, evidence? That's what I was totally thinking too is I think in like the first episode, I had read the news story that they've proven that that's not a thing anymore. Conclusive, right? Yeah. yeah. Which I just find kind of hard to, be- I find maybe not as, not as conclusive as they originally thought. Right. That hair evidence and fiber evidence. Like if you find a purple fiber and the fucking on the body of a dead person and the person that you think is the suspect because of connections also has a purple carpet, like you can't just convict them on the purple carpet, but if there's other connection. Right. If if it's one piece of many that are all fitting together, but exactly. but then that's all that all speaks to like when you're looking for patterns, will you see those patterns? And the other fucking, the other part of that is, do you have a good prosecuting attorney and do you have a shitty defense attorney? Right. You know what I mean? Yes. Man. Yeah. So then three hairs from the head of Susan Peterson were found on a blanket in Albright's truck. So all three of them had hair that were connected to him. Yeah. Like, that's, that's impossible. That's when you're like, okay. Yeah. Yeah. So December 18th, 91, the jury found him guilty received a sentence of five years to life but only for the murder of shirley williams it's the only one he got convicted on five years five to life who are we where are we what's happening you i mean why naturally isn't that 15 to life i don't know five five how old was he do do you know like was he old i think he was in his 50s okay no not old enough that like and the thing is everyone's like he's gonna be in there for 15 years and it's like my dad is fucking 71 that's not that old anymore right and also he killed people he murdered people he murdered innocent people who didn't deserve to die no he got well he got fucking proby on a fucking molestation proby do people call it that i don't know that's local i bet you anything (laughs) i bet you that's police lingo proby for probation yes i'm gonna fucking doesn't it sound like it should be (laughs) yes for sure proby proby we're we're definitely calling it that from now on cops email us (laughs) um so he's at the clements unit of the texas department of corrections in amarillo um and he's a motherfucking piece of shit but he's saying from prison that he he's like he will not admit to any of it he's blaming fucking schindler and saying it's him oh interesting yeah and i love but there's just no action there's no evidence everything about like the the woman who rodriguez who said he she attacked him another woman who uh, knew him. Everyone saw a photo lineup and picked him. Like it, it's fucking him. He, and he grew up obsessed with eyes. <laughs> yeah, 
And yeah. he has, he was trained as a, he was in, like medical student surgeon. Like what's more co- of a coincidence that this dude used to live in this guy's house and put another one of his addresses down or, and that he'd killed it or killed them or that this fucking eyeball obsessed fucking pedophile. overbearing pedophile mother, overbearing crazy mom who dress him up in women's clothes. Not to say that there's anything wrong with boys dressing up in women's clothes. But as long as they're doing it themselves, exactly, you get to do it. Yeah, so you're, it's all about choice. Yes, as many things are. Yes, but but also he's cl- a proven, repeated, mm-hmm. and seemingly remorseless criminal, and he is uh, what do they call that? It's getting worse as the years yeah. go by. Each crime gets a little worse. Then he becomes a f- he's a child molester. He seems like he feels like he's entitled. Yes, like I did when I used to shoplift. <laughs> But I'm better now. Well, but I would also, never you fucking shoplift. You, now. you, yours, your, um, your crimes never escalated. Yeah. The thought of shoplifting now horrifies me. The thought that I did that when I was, I'm not like, hey, it's a shoplift. It's, I'm so embarrassed about that time. Right. Because now you know the, the, uh, I was going to say side effects. You I know, have a moral compass. Now. Yes, exactly. Yeah. And it actually affects other people. Yeah. We're talking about a person who's probably yeah. a sociopath. Yep. And who, or more, but the, but the idea, I mean, I have to say, and I hate to sound this way. I don't hate to sound this way. I am this way. The idea that he removed eyes, that he, that there was an additional thing to his straight up murders that, that you would, that it's very common of these serial killers to kill sex workers and in their mind have this pseudo kind of righteous uh, almost religious thing about as if they're cleaning up the yeah. streets or something like that. This extra detail of taking eyes and closing eyelids is so morbidly fascinating to me. You know what's really weird about it too if you think about it is that these women were killed pretty brutally. They were beat up, they were stripped of their clothes, they were raped, they were shot, yet he carefully systematically removed it, he didn't gouge their eyes out and fucking you know take them and run away he very you had to do that probably slowly and carefully and with the right tools yeah so it wasn't a fit of crazy rage that he just went into also and nobody wants to think about this but if you just for one second think about how insanely hideous it would be to remove someone's eyes yeah and to keep, i mean what did he do with them where did he put them they never found them they never found anything? Not his eyes. Not their eyes. What if there's like <gasps> a wall. rental space somewhere? <laughs> there's gotta be so much there's shit. There's just six jars of eyes hey, staring yeah. out at you. I always wonder, wasn't there like a... The, the reality show where they bid on <laughs> blind lots where they would buy a rental space? Oh, storage unit? Love. Storage, storage wars. wars. What if you fucking... There's an episode of Storage Wars. They throw up a do- throw open a door. Eyeballs. It's just fucking six eyeballs staring and you're like, out. I, I'll pay a thousand. Can I start the bid at a thousand? <laughs> Please. That was good. That's an eyeball killer, man. That's good. I didn't even really know much about that. Thank you, Cracked. I, I knew nothing except for when you mentioned it and immediately assumed it was like the torso killer in Ohio, like 30s-style old-fashioned murderer. Yeah, because it feels like old-timey. And the other thing is that about this guy that is suspicious is that he was this child monster, this criminal, this like fucking crazy, you know, and yet he uh, he had this charming 
normal life. It wasn't yeah. like he was living, you know, off the grid and as a like drifter. No, he had the mask on tight. He maintained, man. Yeah. And people, and you know, there's all these comments of people, the normal comments of, I, I can't believe it. Not him. No way. It's amazing. He was such a nice guy. Yeah. You know, and then this family's like, he molested our daughter. Yeah. Shocked. Crazy. Yeah. That's, uh, some fucked up shit, man. He was a scream sneeze of a human being. <laughs> Is what he was. Oh my god, I just scared Nobody Mimi saw that so bad. I just scream <laughs> laughed. I'm sorry, Mimi. Oh my god, she's lost her mind. She'll be all right. Mimi seems fragile. She's very. She's like, okay, I, please. She was found in a dumpster. Hey, Karen, you know that feeling when you're stressed out and your heart starts to pound and your mind is racing? I do. I know it well. Well, while there's no cure for stress, therapy can help shape your response to it. And since May is Mental Health Awareness Month, there's no better time to try Talkspace. When you sign up for Talkspace, you'll receive a personalized match with a therapist or psychologist, typically within 48 hours. Forbes rates Talkspace as the number one online therapy platform, plus their licensed professionals are in network with almost all major insurance companies. Once you meet your therapy goals, or if you want to cancel for any reason, Talkspace will provide you with a prorated refund for unused time. I feel like these days people understand the importance of therapy, but the difficult part is just taking that first step. It took me months to make my first therapy appointment. I was so scared. I had a lot of ideas in my head about it. And that's why I think Talkspace is such a good idea because making it so approachable will just get you there sooner. Then you can actually get in there, figure out what you need, talk to an actual professional and be on your way to solving some stuff that you might want to solve. To celebrate Mental Health Awareness Month and the power of talking it out in therapy, Talkspace is offering our listeners $80 off your first month with promo code SPACE80. Go to Talkspace.com slash MFM and use promo code SPACE80. To match with a licensed therapist today, go to Talkspace.com slash MFM and enter promo code SPACE80 and get $80 off your first month and show your support for our show. That's Talkspace.com slash MFM. Enter promo code space 80. Goodbye. Georgia, have you ever been blown away by the most simple dish at a restaurant? Like perfectly scrambled eggs? Oh my God. Yes, Karen. And then all I want to do is make that dish at home and eat it every day. Well, you probably could as long as you have the chef's secret ingredient, Made In Cookware. Made In was created to bring restaurant quality performance kitchenware to home chefs around the world. For years, they've built their business by supplying restaurants and top chefs with high-end cookware. Some of Tom Colicchio's most treasured dishes at his restaurant craft are made in Made In. Whether you're cooking for professional critics or just the critics you live with, your meals will benefit from the quality of Made In products. Like their carbon steel cookware, it combines the best of both cast iron and stainless steel clad, so it's rugged enough for grills or an open flame. It's the MVP of summer cookouts and cook-ins. What I really love about made-in cookware is that it actually makes something like having a Memorial Day barbecue much more convenient because you can keep everything on the grill if you need to throw, say, a pan of garlic up on the top while you're grilling your steaks on the bottom. It's strong enough, durable enough to do that. If you want to take your cooking to the next level, remember what so many great dishes have in common. They're all made-in, made-in. Save up to 25% this Memorial Day from May 18th through May 27th when you visit madeincookware.com. That's M-A-D-E-I-N cookware.com. Goodbye. Goodbye. All right. Well, should I do mine? Uh, No. I mean, (laughs) I'm going to blaze through this because here's the thing. Did I take too long? No, 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 no. I loved it.
It was so good. Should I do mine? That's what <laughs> no, this I, podcast is. I didn't mean it. First of all, mine is a heavy hitter. And I, I feel like a lot of people know this one. I definitely, a lot of people have written to us and requested that we do this guy. Did and it rain all over your parade? No, no, no. Okay. Dude, um, take your fucking time, man. Uh, it's Edmund Kemper, the co-ed killer. Yeah. It's the man who is six foot nine, Stephen. Six foot Fuck. nine. It, that in and of itself is scary and intimidating. So intimidating. Sorry to all you super tall guys out there. But it is. And when you see video of Edmund Kemper walking with cops. Is he, he a big guy too? Like not just like a tall skinny or is he big? I mean, he's not humongous. Yeah. He is proportionate. But when he walks through doorways, he has to duck. Mm. It's he's that tall. Six nine is out of control. And to imagine that on top of that, he's a psychotic, paranoid, schizophrenic, psychopathic killer. It's so upsetting. Do you think he went crazy because people kept asking him if he plays basketball? <laughs> <laughs> I always wonder that about telling people how fucking sick of that they they're are. They're so sick of it. And also, it's like people expect them to be good. And then when yeah, they're not, they they're get like, like bullied. I don't fucking play basketball. I no. don't even like a basketball. Yeah. I'm not into, I love golf. Did you play basketball, man? <laughs> Dude, you must love basketball. Yeah. No, fuck you. Um, all right. So... Just to briefly, also, I don't like doing these ones because I don't like to talk about the serial killer themselves like they're a star. Yeah. I fucking hate that. Like knowing their whole life when really it's like, fuck you, this one woman that you murdered's life is way more important than your whole life. Right. Well, and also you rendered your own life like a shitty, a shitty factoid list mm-hmm. because of the actions that you acted out in that life. So and you made them obvious in this fucking example of what serial killers are like. And, yeah. Yeah. But it's not, impressive to me it's not and also when you see this person interviewed to me all i think is what a waste because he was really smart Mm -hmm. he was a big giant that was also a genius Mm -hmm. no one ever knew he was a genius because he he had a terrible mother this which is kind of sometimes a theme on the show um another abusive like obsessive uh controlling dominant mother who was impossible to please and um yes I, all dominant mothers i mean <laughs> so let's see it just basically goes like this His, he was born in burbank california what, what up are burbank? you fucking serious yes that's where that's where that's i live down the street no, no. <laughs> that's crazy uh, i didn't know that he his parents had a bad marriage um they divorced when ed was nine and his mother moved him to helena montana um Ugh. and there he all he wanted was uh, a father and Instead, this one article said he had a string, a subsequent string of stepfathers. But then when I looked into it, it seemed like his mother only got remarried one other time. She probably just dated then? She probably dated. And also, I think the evil mother kind of recurring theme is a thing that people very easily can kind of fill in the blanks. Yeah, she got married all the time. She was an old bitchy slut. I mean, it's like, to me, that's what it kept coming out was like, well, what if she was, what if he was a six foot nine monster that she had to control and didn't yeah. know what to do? It bums me out that they blame it on like the mom who stayed and raised him and the, not the daddy. The fucking single mom later yeah. dated. Yeah. Like, but I mean, who knows? Yeah. Who knows the details? I, ju- I just feel like there's, there's always this a little bit of that where yes. it's like, well, okay, she was mean and domineering, but now she married a bunch of people. Like, yeah. Whatever. And the, and marrying a bunch of people is like, oh, you're a fucking shitty yeah. mom and a slut. Well, maybe just get, maybe fell not. in love. I Let's don't know. just put it out there. Maybe not. Maybe not. Um, so, but he, 
In his, like, early teens, he starts to display his antisocial personality traits. So, him and his sister, sister, this made me laugh when I wa- I was watching this really good, um, British series that you can find on YouTube. Like, any killer you want, there will be this British series that comes up and they just give you tons of information and really good, uh, facts. I have no idea what the title is. I knew you were going to say No idea. I can, I'll tell you next week. Okay. It'll be like a fun surprise. Yeah. It's like surprise corner. Crime and evidence. Stuff. British accent. And it's, it's also called, not on BBC. It's not on anything I would recognize. Yeah. It's almost like an independent. All the people in England right now are like giving me all kinds of two fingers up in the air. Yeah. For not knowing this. Yeah. Oi. Uh, so, but if you look up Evan Kemper, it's the first, um, documentary series on him on YouTube. It's called Crimes and Stuff and Crimes British... And, crimes and t- Crumpets. And British accents. Yeah. So, him and his sister would play a game called Gas Chamber, where his <laughs> sister already. would throw pellets into his room and then close the door, and he would pretend he was dying of asphyxiation. Oh, that sounds normal. That's... It made me laugh so hard because I was, and then it was like a bunch of stuff of like, then he would make his sister's dolls have sex. And I was like, yeah, standard fare. I did that. Everybody did that. I stole my brother's G.I. Joe's and they would totally bone Barbie. Yes, that's what dolls are for. Yeah. It's all like, get them in that dream house. Yeah. And get to fucking. And then you just <laughs> smash them together and they're boning. And you have no idea what no. or why. Smash. You smash, just smash, know smash. that it's exciting that they're in the same bed. Yeah. And that's they're awesome. on a little plastic bed together. Sex is like Fun. that now. Smash. smash. <laughs> yeah. So, but here's where it all was very different than most of our childhoods. Um, he told his sister in grammar school that he had a crush on his teacher. And when he said he wanted to kiss his teacher, his sister said, why don't you? And he said, because I'd have to kill her first. Um, yeah. so the sister's like, I'm going to go get a glass of juice and like slowly <laughs> crab walks out of the room. Crab walks. Um, okay. And I'll be right back. Like just let me in here getting on the ground and crab walking <laughs> instead of just like backing out of the room. No, she had to go out sideways Crabby. with all her eyes looking at him. <laughs> all her crab um, eyes. So breaking down. His mother, when he was a little bit older, made him live in the basement nope. because she was afraid that he would molest his sisters. <gasps> so yeah, it was, it was dark and bad. Oh, that's weird. It also was believed that that mother suffered from borderline personality yeah. disorder, which explains the rages and the abuse. Oh, honey. Um, so that's, you know, fair's fair. We're going to say all this stuff about her, but then also everyone sucks all around. I mean, here's the thing. Untreated mental illness oh. affects people terribly and in a ripple effect totally that isn't just the person who isn't taking their medicine or the person who can't afford their medicine also see my therapy sessions every week of me going through yeah shit yes it's mental health is very important so important and my mother was a psychiatric nurse and in the 80s when proposition 13 closed down all the mental hospitals that's the worst thing that ever happened rant and rave every night about how terrible the future is going to be for people who needed help and wouldn't be able to get it. Also see the fucking insane amount of homeless people we have in this country. Right. That's because we can't, they don't have easy they, access to fucking mental health services, services. and they, they, they need help. And yeah. And basically the state has gone too bad. Yeah. All right. Uh, nope. Let's, I want to keep talking about back to that. Ed. <laughs> My mother would, you know what? That would be like her dream. If I would want just to talk about this all the time, honestly, um, so when he was 15, his mother sent him to live with his father in LA, who, and his father had a new wife and stepson. And so he lasted a month there. 
And then his father sent him to live with his grandparents, who were the father's parents, on a 17-acre farm in North Fork, California. Which that sounds is, nice. It actually is. It it butts up right against the Sierras right oh. near Yosemite. I was going to say how awful it is to send your kid away to someone, but that sounds fucking like a nice vacation. Pretty nice. And also, like, if you have a kid that's troubled, yeah. quote unquote, put him to work. Send him to a farm. Get him out there, right? Um, Teach him some fucking responsibility. Well, it turned out that the grandmother was also domineering. Oops. And the grandfather had early stages of dementia. Oh, my God. So there was already some drama oh, happening. This guy had no chance. I mean, yeah. Um, he had his own 22, so he shot rabbits and right. gophers. And even though his grandmother told him not to, birds. Uh, Wait, rabbits she- and gophers are fine, but birds are off limits. Well, because gophers, um, rabbit, oh, rabbits, them. yeah, they eat the, if it's a oh, working farm, they eat the vegetables. Bunnies. Uh, birds do too, though, but they're beautiful. <laughs> anyway, so that summer, he was sent back to Helena to stay with his mother. Oh, my God. But then he came back after two weeks. So it was basically nobody wanted the giant oh. scary guy around. And he was only 15. Can you believe it? I know. It's like so unfair, though. It's like I feel really bad for him. It's it, lots of rejection and lots of criticism. And like he already clearly had something going yeah. on mentally. And then everyone was just like, this is the point where maybe you can intervene. But it didn't happen. Right. Quite the opposite. Right. Um. It said that Ed's grandmother feared him enough that she took her forty-five with her anytime she left the house so that Ed wouldn't be near it. Oh no. The twenty-two is fine. <laughs> yeah. I'm taking that forty-five. Yeah. So um basically one day he decides he's gonna shoot his grandmother on the back of the head. And when police ask him why, he said, uh, I wanted to see what it felt like to kill grandma. So he's he's flipped over into a next level. He doesn't understand the finality of that at all by saying if you say that you don't understand. Well, yeah, he's like, I'm testing out to yeah. see what, what it's going to feel like as opposed to being able to walk through. Like that I wanted too. her to die. This will feel really bad. Yeah. And everyone's going to feel bad. So he shot her in the back of the head. He was pretending like he was leaving the house, took picked up the his 22, walked out. She saw the weird look in his eye. <gasps> And then... How do you know that? He stood outside... I, this is according to him. He oh, stood outside watching right. her from the porch and then shot her through the screen door As she in the watched. back of the head. Oh, at the back of the head. What's that? Oh, my God. Um, so then he waited for his grandfather to get home from the store and then shot him because he didn't... He didn't... He knew his grandfather would be upset and angry, so he didn't want to have to deal with that. So he just killed the grandfather, oh, too. You do not have a fucking right... Right, my own man. No, because then the next thing he did was call his mom. And this say, isn't a murderous... This is someone who doesn't have access to reality. Yeah. Right? I think this is like the beginnings of being a psychopath or like having some kind of a break. Like a dissociative Let's episode. just throw some... Let's <laughs> make sure that ter- terminology We're around. professional. Psychologists, right? <laughs> That's what so, we're... So he calls his mother and she says, call the sheriff. So he calls the sheriff, tells them what he did, sits on the front porch and waits for the cops to come. And that's when they got that quote of, I wanted to see what it'd be like to kill grandma. Um, he also, after he shot his grandma, stabbed her several times with a knife. Whoa. Yeah. So he wanted to kill her. That's different. Feel yeah. that. Wow. Uh, just shot the grandpa though. Um, so then, the police were shocked. 
and he was committed to a Tuscadero State Hospital. It was a mental, it's kind of a famous mental hospital up in Northern California. Uh-huh. Um, he was diagnosed with a paranoid schizophrenia, but he was tested with a near genius IQ. Yeah. And in the mental hospital, he learned how to mask his insanity. So he basically got along, blended in. He did, he did really well with, um, structure. And yeah. when, when people were in charge of him, but not mean and judgmental of him, he worked, it worked very well for him. Yeah. So he learned, um, he became a, a runner for one of the doctors, like an assistant to one of the doctors. And, that actually enabled him, he, like, the doctor trusted him that much, but that enabled him to read the doctor's files. So he memorized the answers to psychological tests that he saw in the files. Um, and so he basically learned what to say to sound like a normal person. That's and smart. He, he learned it out of reading it off of tests. So he would read all the psychological tests, see what the correct answers were, and basically that way. Yeah. Um, so after four years, those doctors at a Tescadero deemed Ed normal enough to re-enter society. Four years after killing both his grandparents. No. Uh, and it was in... So he like, never even got tried. What's that? He never went to trial for these murders. No, no, straight to the mental hospital. That's crazy. So in 1969, uh, the California Youth Authority released him back into the care of his mother... Clarnell. Can was you imagine being name. like, oh, well, my kid's back home. Yeah. I guess. The murderer is home. Yeah. Um, even though the doctor said he can't go live with his mother, that's where they sent him. Whoa. So, um, now he was in the hospital for four years. So it was between 1965 and 1969 when the cultural revolution took place. Mm-hmm. And it took place in basically the, the eye of the storm was San Francisco Bay Area. Yeah. And that's, they lived right outside it. Um, so sex, drugs, and rebellion were the order of the day. Clearly, I was just typing what the narrator was saying on this because I would never say <laughs> that sounds really casual. Like Karen. that, they were the order of the day. They were the sex, drugs, and sex, drugs. Um, so Ed wanted to. Ed's reaction to that was he wanted to become a cop. He didn't like any of it. He wasn't down with the hippies. I can he see that because he liked the order. He liked order, and he liked, and he wanted to be in charge. So maybe he was trying. Um, the problem was he's too big to be a cop. Shut up. There's actually regulation against that size of person. Do you know what makes me feel safe? A fucking six foot nine cop. Yes, true. But then also a six foot nine cop can basically do whatever he wants at all times. Maybe that's part of it. I mean, he wouldn't fit into the car. Any cop could do whatever he wants all the time. The pants would be too short. Maybe (sighs) he would be a laughingstock. Um, so instead he became a construction worker and he hung out, he lived in Santa Cruz and he, hung out at, at a bar called the jury room where cops and lawyers went and often hung out. Oh my so God, can we go there right now? <laughs> he, um, basically like w- hung among them and they all kind of knew him as big Ed. So after a while from being a construction worker, I think he also worked for Caltrans, which is basically the guy on the side of the road. Mm-hmm. Um, he saved up, moved out of his mother house, mother's house in, uh, Santa Cruz and moved to Alameda, which was 90 minutes away. Could they have a good, uh, flea market there in Alameda? Oh, I'm going to go. Um, so when he was living by himself, he felt angry, awkward, and lonely. I don't know if those things had anything to do with each other, but he, that's how he felt in the world. So he started picking up female hitchhikers, practicing how to get them into his car, practicing what to say to them to get them into his car, practicing what 
to talk to them about once they were in his car, <clears throat> he picked, picked up over 150 hitchhikers as practice. Holy shit. And then he decided he was going to fix the passenger side door so it couldn't be opened from the inside. I can't believe there were that many hitchhikers to pick up. Either. 1969. Yeah. Yeah. That's all anyone was doing. That's back when it was like celebrated. Jesus. Um, so, he practiced for long enough. So in the spring of 1972, he finally decided he was going to go to the next level. He picked up Marianne Pesci and Anita Luceza, who were students at Fresno State, and they were hitchhiking to Stanford to see friends after a weekend in Berkeley, but they never made it. Um, and this was a time, of course, when police never looked into missing persons cases, uh, especially that of young women, because of the amount of runaways and transients there were. So... They, they're, according to cops, girls ran away all the time, um, and they would always show up later because they were with their boyfriend Aww. or they were with their friends. So there, it was almost that, like, these fucking hippie kids, like, I don't want to hear about yeah, it. Yeah, we're not going to waste our time. Yeah, that was the mentality. Um, so, uh, so Ed drove these two girls to an isolated spot. He made Anita get into the trunk and then he put a bag over Marianne's head to suffocate her. She fought back. She bit a hole into the bag. Um, and then he became, he never thought that anybody would fight back. He became enraged and he stabbed her repeatedly. Then he got out, uh, and went into the trunk and slit Anita's throat. Oh, no. Um, but they because the fighting, like that wasn't the f- kill that he fantasized about. Uh-huh. So he took, their body, uh, you're gonna need to brace yourself for this part. I'm scared. Um, he took their bodies back to his apartment and raped their corpses. No! And then he dismembered them and he put their body parts into plastic bags and left those bags all around the Bay Area. Can you imagine that that's the first time you really, like, you killed your, you killed someone by shooting them before. But the first time and you. And stabbing. Right. And it was your grandparents. Yes. So, yeah. But like, raping a corpse. I mean, dismemberment. That's not an easy thing to fucking do. No, it's hideous. But, you know, he was fantasizing. And they talked in this this documentary about that, how much serial killers fantasize about what they're going to do. Oh, my God. So then he had fantasized about it all happening in the car. But since that got fucked up, this was like this weird plan B improv that he was doing that then became his M.O. Wow. Um, So... Two months later, hikers found Marianne's head in the mountains. And that was the only evidence ever found of the two Shut women. Shut the fuck up. It was up. the only thing they ever found. So, in September of that year, so this that was spring, so like five months later, he picks up 15-year-old hitchhiker, Aiko Koo. Honey, don't do it. She was 15. She was, I think they said she was half Korean and half... Uh, like Romanian or something. Mm-hmm. She was a dancer. She's on her way to dance class. Aww. So she was really small. Honey, don't fucking hitchhike to dance class. Ridiculous. Dude, ride your goddamn bike. And you're tiny and you're 15. Like all of these things no. are so much no. No. He picks her up. He drives her to an isolated location. But when he tells her he's this is a kidnapping, she loses her shit and it becomes hysterical. So to calm her down, he says that he was going to kill himself. And take her with him. But now he's changed his mind. And then he gets out to get something in the trunk and the door shuts and locks behind him. Girl. So now she's in inside his locked car and he's locked out. Yes. But what he convinces her to open the door. No. 
but this is this is this is him practicing on those 150 girls this is a person who's figured out with his genius iq how to get what he wants how to manipulate people yep and how to tell them exactly what they specifically want to hear and need to hear god damn it um it's so it so so anyway he suffocates her until she's unconscious he puts tape over her mouth and then holds her nose closed so he is like up close into this the killing you know horribly mm-hmm. um then he raped her and strangled her with her own scarf and they put her dead body in the trunk and then went to a bar for a couple of beers who did he, he did oh yeah okay he did. said they and i wasn't sure no no the, okay. sorry then um then he takes the body back to his apartment and it's the same thing dismembers and scattering her remains all over the Aww. bay area um so because a serial killer is a person who's killed three or more people on three or more occasions with a cooling off period in between crimes this kill officially makes him a serial killer wow. um so the next day he had a state mandated meeting with his psychiatrist and her, her head was in his trunk. Holy fuck. During that meeting. Um, and he made such an impression on the psychiatrist that they decided he didn't need to see a psychiatrist the anymore. The day after he murdered this girl. Yeah. He uh, had to be good at what he did. You yeah. Know? So, uh, to make matters worse, at the same time, there was another serial killer named Herbert Mullen that was operating in the Santa Cruz area at the exact same time. What? And this was the guy that was killing people because he thought it was keeping that big earthquake from happening. Did you ever hear of this guy? No. The, I think he deserves his own episode. Uh, yeah. He was... It, he he killed hitchhikers. He killed... He shot an old man in his yard. He, he killed was just a mother crazy. and a child. He... Yeah. And he was complete... Yeah. He was... Oh, had no idea you what You gotta was do that on. one, please. Yeah. Uh, so, that guy got arrested in 1973, and the police thought, oh, great, That's this it. is all over now. He should have just stopped killing then, and he wouldn't have ever gotten caught. I know. But he couldn't do it. Four <laughs> months after his third murder, uh, he was now broke, so he moved in back in with his mother. Yeah, come on back home. Yeah, that's going to work out good. So, um, this is January 8th of 1972. His mother, he and his mother argue all day. He goes out, buys a gun, and then he picks up hitchhiker Cindy Shaw. And according to him, this is the way he tells the story, that he drives her to a remote location, shows her the gun, then gets out of the car to open the trunk and he leaves the gun in the car with her. And instead of grabbing it, she follows him back to the trunk and says, my, what a big trunk do you want me to get in it? Which to me what? is, it's his version of the story. Yeah, right. Because he has talked and talked like they have hours and hours of his confession. My, he, what a big trunk. My, what a big trunk you have, grandma. Um, so... She gets into the trunk and he shoots her once in the head or he does what he right. did before, which is weird. Uh, strangles her. She's in the trunk. She's got a bullet in her head. He brings the body back to his mother's house. Mother's house has sex with the corpse. Dismembers her body in his mother's bathtub and ma- buries her head in his mother's backyard. Throws the rest of the body into the ocean. But she's discovered 24 hours later. So most of her body parts wash back up on shore. Um, so a month later he has another fight with his mother and then he goes out for a drive. 
Um, and this time he picks up two UC Santa Cruz students, Rosalind Thorpe and Alice Liu. And all of the students, all the female students, because he was now called the co-ed killer. And so all the students um, at UC Santa Cruz were all the female students were warned, do not hitchhike, do not take rides from strangers. But his car, it was his mother's car, so it had a UC Santa Cruz parking sticker on it. Oh, shit. His mother worked at UC Santa Cruz, so they thought it was safe. Yeah, but it's not like that a person who goes to your school couldn't be a killer, too, you know? Yeah, but they're all thinking it's like, yeah, I mean... like a yeah. psycho killer. Well, it is, but... Yeah. Um, he shot them. It's the exact same thing. Shot them, raped their bodies, dismembered them, scattered their remains. Um... Then he decides he's going to buy a 44. He needs a new gun. Mm-hmm. So a routine police background check brings up his name and the police, when they look him up, it's just an index card that says double murder. <laughs> so, th- so they put his records were sealed because he was a teenager. Right. So they put a hold on the gun purchase. Oh, what a great idea to put a hold on gun I mean, purchases for people who have mental illnesses. Oh, no, sorry. I'm sorry. They couldn't put a hold on it. He'd already bought it. So but oh, they, never go, mind. they go to confiscate it. So they show up at his house, but it's Big Ed. They know Big Ed. Oh. There's no problem. It's Big Ed. He goes to the jury room. He hangs out with us. Yeah, he's a he's a good friend of ours. So, um, and they assure him it's just a it's just a uh, thank you a formality. Um, but Ed got paranoid because he was like they're on to me, and so he ran. So he well he sorry this is the this is the big one. So. He's paranoid. He's sure the cops are on him. So on April 21st, 1973, he decides he's going to kill his mother. So he, that's the solution to everything, right? It's that's going to be his, his big finale. So his mother's sleeping and he goes into her bedroom with a claw hammer, beats her to death with a hammer, Fuck. decapitates her, has sex with her corpse. Not Puts her vocal cords in the all. garbage disposal. Whoa. I mean, like... Symbolic as fuck. Yes. And he talked about it. It's, uh, and, like, I saw, like, probably 10 seconds of him talking about it. It's just... It's not... It's not anybody worth listening to. It's just, like, really? a person who thinks it's great when they're thinks telling it's great? you these It's not just, like, normal, but thinks it's great. Thinks it's cool. Thinks Holy it's, like... Holy sh- that's, pr- that's pretty ironic, isn't it? You know, like, it's this kind of... There's, like, uh, a swagger to it yeah. that you just want to... So... <clears throat> So then he decides that it's going to look like he did it. So a way to make it not look like that is he calls up his mother's best friend, Sally Hallett, invites her over to a surprise dinner, quote unquote. And when she gets there, he chokes her to death. Oh, yeah. And so when the cops find both of their bodies, he's in his mind, they're going to think it's a break in and it has nothing to do with that. (laughs) That's his thinking. And then he goes on the run. So he jumps in his car. He drives east. And, uh, he, they were still looking for the co-ed killer. They in no way were looking for him. They had no idea. He drives for three days. Um, he hears no news on the radio about himself or using his name or anything. And by the time he gets to Pueblo, Colorado, he calls the Santa Cruz police and confesses because he's Uh, so mad that they're not talking about him and like, and that he was wrong. And, uh, so the, the Santa Cruz police have to drive out to Pueblo, Colorado to pick him up. And they said when he, um, oh, the, the Pueblo police said when they went out, like the Santa Cruz police had the Pueblo mm-hmm. cops go pick him up. When they went and picked him up to arrest him, he put his hands on top of the phone booth. 
That's oh how big God. he was. Oh my God. Yeah. I just can't get it. I can't deal with this. Six how foot nine. Horrifying it is. He's just a humongous monster. Vince is like six four and he's very fucking tall. Yeah. And he's five inches taller. Yeah. That's insane. It's very tall. Um, so on the whole drive back, the Santa Cruz police have to listen to his confession. Holy shit. And he talked, they said there's one cop. It was like his, one of his first cases yeah. ever. He said he talked until I couldn't listen to it anymore. It was so upsetting. And he just wanted to talk about all of it. Yeah. He gave every detail of every single thing. Um, so basically he tries to plead insanity. The jury declares him sane and guilty of all eight murders. He's eight counts of murder. He asks when he gets, um, goes to jail, he asks for a lobotomy. No way. And the authorities say no, it's too dangerous. But he's basically trying to suggest, like, cut off the connections between this idea and, like, the action or, like, get this out of my head. I really think a lobotomy would have helped him. I mean, it would have just rendered him like a vegetable, basically. Yeah. He would have just been a bigger pain to deal with. Like, to he wouldn't have been able to do anything for himself. Yeah. Probably. Um, he was once quoted in an interview, uh, what do you think now when you see a pretty girl walking down the street? And he answered, one side of me says, wow, what an attractive chick. I'd like to talk to her, date her. The other side of me says, I wonder how her head would look on a stick. Holy fuck. Yeah. And that's actually in Brett Easton Ellis's book, American Psycho, Patrick Bateman uh, paraphrases this quote when he's asked about women, but he attributes it to Ed Gein, but it's actually an Ed Kemper quote. And also in Silence of the Lambs, Thomas Harris wrote that Buffalo Bill started his career as a serial killer by impulsively killing his grandparents as a teenager, which was based on Ed Kemper. Neat. Co-ed killer. It's so weird that it's like such close by stuff, you know? Yeah. Like close to us, Santa Cruz is like not far. What? A, oh, that's so scary. Yeah, gross. It's funny that we both did serial killers this time. I know. Hmm. We're getting deep now. Well, I mean, yeah. Um, we have to say one thing that made us happy this past week, but it's Monday, so it hasn't yeah, it's been that Monday. long. I mean, I'm gonna have to say, pole dark when pole dark. Ross Poldark takes off his shirt to swim in the ocean to clean off the mine dust. It's, it's like the most beautiful thing you've ever seen. That sounds cool. I think mine was, um, we went last night, we went to the, um, the New Beverly Theater, which is like really, it's owned now by Quentin Tarantino, but it's this really cool art house theater that's been around forever. Quentin Tarantino bought it to like save it, which I love him for. And they were playing the 1950s version of Dracula. And we went with Joe DeRosa's parents, who we were talking about from the pod, his podcast and like met them and they were the sweetest people ever. And it was like just such a nice, nice thing that someone wants you to meet their parents as an adult, which like doesn't really happen anymore. Yes. And it was a cool movie and they they were fun to hang out with, right? Yeah, they were the best. And they, um, and then New Beverly has frozen junior mints, like as a thing you can buy, like, cause they know that, that people like them. I didn't know that. And frozen junior mints are like a family favorite. Yeah. Yeah, they they have them frozen junior mints and frozen snicker bars there you can get because they're just like yeah and they have fucking uh white castle burgers you can get there too like are you serious they're frozen and they heat them up but also the new beverly is the best popcorn of all movie theaters best popcorn and it's so cheap there like they they have the movie theater candy prices from the 80s is that true yes we bought so much shit and they were like 
they were like $50 and this much. And I handed them 50 and they were like, no, 15. <laughs> and I almost lost my mind. And so I ended up giving the guy a $5 tip. That's because right. I was just like, take it all. At normal theaters, you're like, yeah, this is going to cost me $85. Fortune, yeah. That's it's the best. That's, yeah. Go, if you live in LA, you should absolutely support the new Beverly. It's and they have awesome. just the best. They'll have double, fe- double features of like the coolest movies. Yeah, April and I went there to see, cause she's obsessed with Elvis. Mm-hmm. And we went to see Elvis's concert, um, film that I'm wow. not going to remember the name of. And it was so fun. And everyone there was super into it. it it's like, it's a, it, it feels like an event when yeah. you go there. You know what it's better than is going to a fucking, the cemetery movie screening where you have to sit outdoors in the freezing cold on the freezing cold like grass and watch a movie on the I don't need to do that <laughs> go to fucking go to the Beverly then go down the street to El Coyote get great fucking margaritas yeah life is good good times yeah that, All was, right. that was mine um thank you for listening if you go to Feral Audio to listen to a bunch of other cool podcasts that they have and um go listen go rate review and subscribe and all this stuff and thanks for listening Thank and stay you. sexy. And don't get murdered. And bye. Bye. Elvis. Did he leave us? Oh, should we? Uh, maybe. Elvis. Want, there he is. Want a cookie? <laughs> Good boy. Cookie? Want a cookie? Good boy. Yeah. <laughs>